With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. And the counter, right hook, the left to right, Errol Spence on inline skates, and the referee has intervened. Mamma mia! Terrence Bud Crawford has made history. Terrence Bud Crawford is the pound-for-pound king. Welcome back. Top of the hour on Coffee and Cream, ESPN Radio 590 here in Omaha on KFOR in Lincoln. Starting now, live on Twitter, live on YouTube. And I'm alongside DB. I'm trying to What up? I'm trying to find a good way to match that intro up with that beat and uh. stop at the right time. Haven't been able to nail it yet. <laughs> I just listen to the music. <laughs> That's I what I do. Yeah, I kind of got it down now in my head. Uh, you haven't gotten a chance to really talk about this fight all too much. We touched on it a little bit yesterday in your segment, but uh, yeah, I, I spent most of the night Saturday night on social media talking about it. But mm-hmm. I mean, I was just happy. Uh, I talked to Severe and Ravi on Thursday. I think it was Thursday when I was in Indy, and my main thing about that, I think I said it would, it would be over in the eleventh. Uh, I'd pick ten officially. Um, so I was begging for about another 15, 20 seconds in that ninth round. But at the same time, it was smart to let I, Spence. I, I, I just think people just don't under, that box. understand what you have to walk through to beat Bud at anything. He, he's just his his sheer will. Uh, you know, I mm-hmm. joked when we were younger, I used to call it him, him being stubborn. Now that we're older, he's just determined. And he was so prophetic, too. I mean, some of the stuff that he was saying before the fight, that turn, he's like, you're going to say the same thing that everybody else did. Dang, I didn't know that kid was this good. Or, man, he looks one way on film, but when we get in the ring, it's a totally different story. I mean, it was just it was exactly what he said, which is kind of cool when you can call your shot in boxing because it's such a difficult sport. Well, and this next guest has been a long time um – a long-time coverer of Bud Crawford. He's been a long-time writer at the Omaha World-Herald, local boxing historian Tony Boone joins the show now. And, and T. Boone is somebody that I haven't gotten to talk to since Omaha hockey. Um, it seems like it's been, it's been forever. And I, I've been following along. He's a big card guy. He <laughs> likes to collect uh, yeah, his TV. sports cards. Yeah. And uh, he, he just discovered um, a booklet of – Shohei Otani and Mike Trout signed cards, so I'm a little jealous. Tony always finds the diamonds in the rough. I don't know how he does it, but COVID was his best friend. His attention to detail. That's Tony That's what it is. Good morning, man. It's great to uh, talk to you and see you. Gentlemen, it's good to see you both. TB, good morning. How are you? I'm good. You get it, man. You've done this and followed this a long time. Are you kind of vibing when I said, you know, like maybe – Ten years ago, I would call it stubborn with with 
Terrence. Now that we kind of mature a little bit, I just, I just, he's just determined, right? I mean, there's just something about his will to to have to be right and to win that is unparalleled. By far the most competitive person I've ever met, and that comes from being a competitor myself. And you know, it's tough to like see people and just say, "Look, that guy's next level." But you know, Crawford has always been that. Um, I don't know that there's many people that are as self-confident as he is. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that comes from doing the work. And um, that's uh, one of the things that I told someone a long time ago when, you know, this run of his kind of really got started was I don't know how you beat him because you have to be willing to go to that depth to get to where he's at. No question. You know, um, he, uh, obviously he has great physical attributes, um, great balance. The guy's got freakishly long arms for a dude his height. Uh, big hands at the end of the arms, uh, obviously, you know, incredibly skilled. Uh, he's honed his craft over the years. And then on top of that, he's willing to put in the work behind the scenes and in training camp. And, uh, you know, how are you going to get past a guy like that who is already physically better than you and he's going to outwork you at the same time? Tony, you're, you're, you, are you vibing with me? There's something about some boxers. I don't know what it is where they have that type of skin that – Swelling is concealed. They're not easy cutters. They're just, they weather the storm just because of kind of like, you know, how, how the, the skin is. I know it sounds weird, but he just is one of those fighters that, it's not that he doesn't get hit because sometimes he does. I remember, as you do, people would joke, oh, he gets hit too much at this level and not good, not good you know, this and that. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see. But, he just has the makeup with ep- the epidur- the the epidermis where it's like he's just different. He just he just is uniquely DNA built. I'm sure that I'm wrong on this, but I can only really remember him getting cut once, and that was from a butt. Yeah, um, I don't remember which fight it was, uh, just off the top of my head. But uh, it wasn't anything serious that you know he was in jeopardy of you know it getting out of hand to where he couldn't fight through it and you know, God knows he wouldn't have fought through it if he'd had to anyway. Um, but yeah, he, um, he does seem to, to have that attribute as well. And, you know, I don't know if that's just a God given thing or, or what leads to that. Um, but also, uh, helps when you're good and responsible enough defensively that you don't take clean shots, you know, not that he hasn't, you know, taken one here or there, you know, over the past few years, but, uh, you know, as we saw the other night, uh, he's incredibly good in tight spaces of making sure that, you know, his shot gets off clean and, and the other one coming back doesn't in return. And that's part of the reason why things went uh, quickly in the direction that they did the other night. He, all I could he was think, able to manage distance. All I could think of was Kill Bill, Uma Thurman, getting out of the coffin where <laughs> she's just like punching and it's like four inches, but it's with some force, right? It, his ability to, to, to hurt you from – close proximity without needing much room is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I think that that was a, a big telling point the other night, you know, Spence never found a distance where he could be comfortable and Terrence has proven time and time again, that he can be comfortable at any distance. Um, I, I don't know that there's ever been anybody that I can think of at least that's been that good at uh, being able to, you know, create an angle that they can get a, a clean shot off no matter, you know, what the distance is, you know, between the two fighters. Uh, he's just naturally, you know, talented in that way. 
Tony, I'm genuinely curious. Where does this fight rank among the best of Bud's fights? Is there a time, and you know, maybe it's because it's recent, uh, but the buildup was there. Is there a time you right, remember right. a fight being more anticipated than this one? Um, say if, if there was one, as far as the anticipation goes, it would have to be the Gamboa fight. And that's only because it was his first one as a world champion, and it was his first one in Omaha. So the buzz locally was obviously huge. Um, I don't know that because of the buildup of it, I don't know that the general public knew enough about Gamboa and how good he was and, and what he had done in his career, the way that they, you know, were given all this information about Spence ahead of time. So I would say that the general public was more informed of Spence going into this fight than what they would have been in Gamboa going into that one. Um, but, but it was a big deal. And, uh, at the time of the year also kind of helped out a little bit. It was right. It was the weekend right after the college world series. So, you know, the town was kind of hopping anyway. And, uh, you know, we were going to get a chance to see our hometown guy, you know, fight as a world champion for the first time, uh, you know, here in our own backyard. Um, so I'd say that would probably be the closest thing that I could think of to this. This one was obviously, you know, next level just because the guys were both considered pound per pound top five guys uh, going into Saturday night. And uh, usually when that's the case, you don't see that go as one sided as it did. But, um, you know, who would have thought that, you know, he was going to land something that, that clean in the second round that was going to quickly turn that the way it did. And, you know, once he got trucking and there wasn't really anything that Spence could do to, to derail it because, you know, he's pretty much a one dimensional fighter. And if he can't go at you, then, you know, what's he going to do? And uh, Crawford's unique in the sense that he can have a plan B, C and D and he can make it up on the fly because other boxers aren't gifted with that. And, and Spence is one of them. He's a good kind of stubborn too, isn't he, Tony? Because I think oh, sure. he always does this thing. I, I, I can think of it with Horn, Postal, Beltron, he did it. I knew right away, about the 220 mark in the second round. Spence was trying to crown it, crowd him in the corner, and Terrence just pushed him off, like just a subtle form. It's about 40 seconds left in the in the third round, and Spence tried to lean, and Bud just stopped him dead in his tracks. He has this thing where he knows what how you think the fight is going to go, oh, bigger, stronger guy, and. It's almost like there's something in him where he's like, okay, I, I'm going to show you that I can bully this guy if I want to. He is ridiculously and deceptively strong. Where do you think that leverage and that strength comes from, given his frame? Well, I think that, first of all, he has really good balance. And um, I don't think – and I, I was nice to hear uh, the Showtime guys who were actually calling his fight for the first time. Uh, the other night, you know, bring up his wrestling background. You know, that's a sport that takes incredible balance if you're going to be good at it. Um, and it's something that he's been around a lot. I know that his sons, uh, you know, also wrestle. So, um, you know, I think that having something like that and, and also being in the gym, you know, as a boxer since age seven has, has helped out with that as well. Um, being able to do that, I think, allows you to get leverage. And here's the thing that I think that people maybe don't understand about Crawford. When he became a world champion, he was cutting everything to get to 135. And he wasn't, like, lifting or there wasn't, like, the definition that you see with him at 147 pounds wasn't there at 135 because he was, you know, basically this skinny guy who was just, you know, all God-given talent at that point. And as he's kind of moved up in weight, he's been able to, to pack on you know, some added muscle. And I think that's made him stronger. And um, as he mentioned, you know, accurately after the fight that uh, everyone thinks that they're stronger than I am until they get in there and they find out that I'm the stronger fighter every single time. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, that really showed itself uh, the other night. Um, he looks like he was every bit as strong as Spence. And that was uh, the big thing going in from the other side was that Spence was going to be too big for him and he's just going to shove Crawford around. And that didn't happen at all. It's weird. Do you think people realize that Bud can walk around anywhere between low 160s, 170, and, and not bat an eye? Like, I mean, cutting weight is, is, is not easy for him sometimes either to, to get to 147. But – He's never too far away where he has to right. starch himself. He, he's he got this whole gradual thing that he's really good at. Yeah, I think that uh, that's one of the things that, that's going to allow him to continue on as he continues to age here too is that he lives pretty clean outside of the ring. This isn't an Ricky Hatton, Arturo Gotti thing where he's walking around at 180 and then cutting to 147 like those two guys used to do. You know, and it's, it's more gradual. It's, you know, as you mentioned uh, – not easy necessarily, but something that he can, you know, do a little bit at a time. And by the time he's done with camp, you know, he's about right where he needs to be. And um, it, it was tough, I know, for him to make 135 that last time. And and I know that he was ready to get out of 140 uh, when he did as well. Um, and, you know, it sounds like this might have been, you know, the swan song at 147 as well. And if that's the case, then, you know, there's still going to be even more room there to, to see what else he can build upon physically. Um, if he's going to try to go up um, at the next weight class, which it sounds like, you know, he might be willing to give a shot at. At least that's what he was saying while Spence was getting counted during the seventh round. Which is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that just tells you how locked in that guy was. He just lands a double right hook. Spence is on the canvas struggling to get up. And he's looking over at Jermell Charler in row one. You're next. You're next. You're next. Oh, uh, Tony. Un- un- unbelievably locked in at that point. Tony, okay, so I heard you say this. Um, I think you were with Maddie D and, and Robbie when you were saying this before the fight, but you wanted to see him get the recognition like the best of the best in their respective sports got yes. when they were playing in, while active in career mode. Now, does that finally happen? Um, I, I hope so, but, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I think there are still those that are, you know, boxing is not a big thing or that um, for whatever reason, uh, what he did isn't as good because it's in weight classes. You know, you're not fighting against everybody. You're just fighting the best guys in your class. Um, I heard a lot of that back when we uh, were at the World Herald and doing our, you know, top 100 athletes of all time, updating that list back in 2015. At that point, I was arguing that with Crawford already. And, and at Rightfully point, so. Was, I remember he, that. He was a two-division champion at the time we were doing this. Um, so this is after he had uh, moved up to 140 at, at, in 2014. He was the reigning fighter of the year. He had already won championships at two weight classes and was the lineal champion at 135 when he left that. So there's already a nice established uh, achievement list at that point. And I was saying already that – you need to understand how unique this is, especially in an area where, you know, high level boxers have not come from and, and do it justice. And I said, so you don't start at the bottom of that list at 100, you start at the top and you start working your way down. And uh, I'll, I'll just be straight up. I was pretty upset where he landed and it wasn't just him either. Like Alex Gordon, I think was two spots ahead of him and, how you take a guy who's like a multiple time gold glove winner and an all-star in a truly global sport. And he sits back in the mid thirties. I don't know, but that, but that's where they had Crawford at the end of this list too. But, but I was saying that like, you know, 
uh, even at that point of his career, he's already like tracking towards Hall of Fame status. And, uh, you know, if he didn't have it already at that point as a two weight class champion, he certainly did by the time he left 140 pounds and everything that he's done after that has just been gravy. And he knows it, too. I mean, Crawford was saying a long time ago that I've already done enough to make the Hall of Fame. And he was right. And uh, everything he's done now uh, has just extended the talk to be more about, like, where is he all time instead of just, like, where is he right now? Because I think that, uh, you know, while he's been, you know, a top five pound per pound fighter, and I have argued that Crawford Crawford was the number one fighter in the world the day that Andre Ward decided he didn't want to fight anymore. Another one of he my retired, favorites. Crawford was number one, and he has done nothing to lose that spot. I just think that everyone gets infatuated with the the next shocking thing or, or, or the next uh, – thing that you know really grabs us in the moment and uh and nothing against nao anyway who looked great you know earlier this week when he fought early in the morning i even actually stayed up overnight to, yeah. to watch that fight um you know spectacular but but what did he do to pass crawford in that moment i i don't know um you know there there are less you know elite guys at 118 and 122 pounds with the area that he fights at than there are at 147, which has been one of the most stacked weight classes that are there. So I, I don't know why anyone would put him there, but, but Crawford's never done anything from the time that Andre Ward retired to, to lose that spot. Like remind me of the time where Crawford looked bad in the ring. He looked, um, he looked, no, he's knocked out. He's knocked out everyone since he moved up to 140 other than post all. And that's only because that was his first unification bout. And he took his foot off the gas at the end because he didn't need it. But I tell you what, Crawford now, Postal doesn't get out of the you know midway point of that fight. Probably doesn't get out of the fifth round. And no disrespect to anyone, not even Uncle Johnny, but it, it's in whatever you want to do it. It's Gibson, Sayers, and then well, it's got to be there when that list comes out again. Because I think it's yep. every is it every ten years. Um, well, that's what we the first one was in 05. And so, yes, we redid it in 15. Whether it'll continue, I don't know. You know, there's a different sports editor now, and I don't know what the you know, the staff is half the size of what it was. And a lot of people that were involved are no longer there. So I'm not sure what they will do with that. I, I would hope it would continue because it is a, a good talking piece or whatever. I was arguing already then just to, to make it com completely clear. I was already saying that he's four. I'm like, you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, you went, I go, is he, is he Gibson or Sayers? No. Uh, Grover, Cleveland, Alexander, probably not. He's a Hall of Fame guy with a billion wins in a completely segregated game in the early 1900s. Okay. And then you get to Boozer at four, and I'm like, okay, here's a guy who had a great career, was a high draft pick, won a gold medal on a team that he wasn't a star on, won an NBA title as a bench player in the last play, last uh, year of his, uh, of his career as a pro. And I'm like, yeah, that's about where we're at right now with the two division champion or whatever and again no disrespect to johnny who's number five but i already felt at that point that crawford had already uh, surpassed him because he already was being considered one of the top fighters in the game and uh was clearly you know in, in a spot that like uh you weren't going to be able to take away the achievements that he already had in the moment right now i think that there's a mount rushmore of three in omaha and crawford's right there with the other two uh, let me get you out here on this tb uh spence rematch at 54 boots or Charlo, what would what would the fan, the fanatic, what would who would Tony Boone like to see? Oh, me, Charlo for sure, because I'm all about the history of it, which is exactly what Crawford was talking about in the middle of the seventh round. There, um, you know, he he is uh, going to be 36 this year. Um, September 30th or 29th? Probably is already in this longer than he wanted to be. 
Although I've told somebody this past week that I don't know how he ever really gets out of it because there's always going to be someone talking that he's going to want to shut up. The competitive part of him is going to be the hard part to shut down. Uh, but, but Charlo makes the most sense. The problem is he's already got a fight, a huge one lined up for later this year, which means that you're sitting on the sidelines and knowing that that uh, fight against Canelo is not going to go Jermel Charlo's way. What kind of condition is he going to be in to come back to 154? And if that goes poorly for him against Canelo at uh, two weight classes higher than he is, how excited is he going to be to, to be strapping it up against Crawford in the fight after that? Uh, knowing that he probably is coming off of a beating and, and maybe just signed up for another one. Because if people want to make fun of like the uh, the resumes of the two guys that fought on Saturday night, take a good look at how Jermel Charlo became the undisputed champion. Right there, 100%. Yeah, there are no names in that weight class, and uh, that's the reason why he has all those belts. If and, you're uh, if you're Spence, do you shut it down? Um, I, I you certainly don't take the rematch. I mean, Derek right, James has got to take not. a good look at where Spence is physically. Oh, I agree. Um, this is a guy that that I and mean, this wasn't talked about enough. I don't think. I mean, he was as, in as many bad car accidents going into last Saturday night as he had been in fights since like 2020. It was like two and two, two fights, uh, two bad car accidents, um, and the detached retina on top of that. Uh, yeah, I think that you really need to take a look at where you're at and what you have left to accomplish. And the, the fact that, that Crawford is ready to move up too, I think maybe changes the, the plan for Spence. If his idea was that he was going to go up and he was going to be the guy at 154 and Bud was going to stay at 147, then maybe we're talking about something different. But when you got to go through that guy again at the next weight class, I just don't see any point of, of uh, continuing past that point unless you really do feel physically okay and you can get yourself back into the shape where, where you were the guy that you were before Saturday night, not the guy that walked out of the ring on Saturday night. Mm. Excellent stuff. Tony Boone, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking the time to join the show. We will talk to you again soon. You bet. We can always talk fights whenever you want to. <laughs> Thanks, TV. All right. That's Tony Boone, at Tony G. Boone on Twitter. It's great to see him. Great to hear from him. Um, Longtime so writer at the Omaha World Herald. You know, I mean, he's just a boxing historian to the area. Um, a lot of stuff in there. And I learned a lot there, too, because as I told you, and I told this to Ravi, too, yesterday, I'm like, I'm a beginner when it comes to boxing. Like, boxing was never prevalent in T TB was St. one Louis of the first guys up. that I could actually – this is early in Now, does it help that Bud is from the area that boxing is so popular? Uh, I think from – I was just going to say, he's TB's one of the first guys that I actually could, could get historical with locally. Because, um, you know, I didn't meet Severe until 05, which was about the same time. But for a while, boxing was just in, like, small circles. And I think Tony helped bring it to, like, the forefront. Some kicking and screaming begrudgingly didn't want to let him. But uh, I just remember him being one of the first guys. It didn't matter if I wanted to talk. Boxing in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, like, TB was that dude. He was. He, he still was, is that he dude. Was, he was totally that <laughs> dude. And you know, he and I've gone round and round on some fighters and who we like, who we don't like, styles and stuff. He's he's super well versed. Now, talk about other things that are must watch. It's from the original 1923 stands to today's 90,000 fan venue in the deed. The Glory Memorial Stadium reveals the storied history, evolution, and significance of this stadium that is synonymous with Saturdays in Nebraska. It's Nebraska Public Media's newest local sports documentary. It features interviews with T.O., Eric Crouch, Trev Alberts. Are those familiar names? I they are. Uh, what about sports reporter Mike Babcock? Is he uh, 
yep. a well-known commodity. He uh, is. He is featured in that documentary as well. It honors the 100th anniversary of the stadium, built to honor the men and women who served in World War One. Sunday. Some, hope somebody worth a darn is narrating that thing. I don't know. I don't know. Who do you think it is? I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Omar? Yeah. <laughs> Omar Omar's, Omar's coming. Omar's no, coming. Number 12, here he comes. Sunday, August 13th. I, I feel like I should be whistling. p.m. <laughs> Omar's coming. Omar's Sunday, coming. Sunday, August 13th at 7 p.m. on Nebraska Public Media and Facebook Live. Visit nebraskapublicmedia.org slash memorial stadium. We'll take a quick break. Let's change gears and talk MLB trade deadline. Let's get it. When we come back, that's next.